Today I want to talk about the heart. You know, we often think that our heart is just a pump that circulates our blood around our body. But the Bible makes it very clear that it's a lot more than that. Our heart is the seat of our emotions and our thoughts. Let's just have a look at a few verses about the heart. First of all, from Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, it says, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Proverbs 27, verse 23, verse 7. For as he thinks in his heart, so he is. What do you think about in your heart? The next verse. Ezekiel 23, 13. I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender Responsive heart. Next verse. Now you know, in the Bible, God said of King David that you are a man after my own heart. He's the only person in the Bible that God describes as being a man after God's own heart. And so for the next two or three weeks, I want to journey with you and discuss what it means to be a person after God's own heart. Because God invites all his people to have a heart like David. You know, David was a very sensitive man with deep feelings. He was a man in whom God confided He was a shepherd, a psalmist, a king. But he was also a liar, an adulterer, and a murderer. David had a passion for God and understood what wonders and pleasures filled the heart of God. And so the story of David starts in a field with some smelly sheep. But David loved those sheep. He really cared for those sheep. And when a lion attacked those sheep, he went after the lion and he killed it. Most people would have backed off and let the lion take the sheep, but not David. The same thing happened when the sheep were attacked by a bear. And that shows the commitment of David. They were his father's sheep and he was prepared to risk his life for those sheep. God then sent the prophet Samuel to David's father's house because he wanted to anoint the next king of Israel. And David had seven brothers And so David's father got those seven older brothers to parade in front of Samuel. And Samuel went along the line. And these were all big, strong, handsome, intelligent guys. And God said to Samuel, none of those guys 
It's not any of them. Is there another son? And they said, yes, there is. There's David. But he's out there tending the sheep. David was the afterthought. And so David came in and Samuel said, this is the man. And he anointed him to be the next king of Israel. But you know, it was 20 years before David actually became king. And for a lot of that time he spent out there in the fields tending those sheep. And then for a while he served at the palace. And then King Saul disliked him and chased him around the wilderness trying to kill him. Maybe you think that you're a nobody like David could have done. That you've got a boring, thankless job. Maybe you can relate to David being stuck out there every day with the sheep. And often God tests us and trains us by putting us in places of obscurity where faithfulness to him can be difficult. Just think of Joseph and his story where he ended up in prison falsely accused and where he was a slave for a period of time. God puts us in difficult situations to see what is in our heart and to train us for what he has ahead of us. And how we handle those daily challenges of life determines the sort of character and fruitfulness we have in our lives for him. Jesus told a parable about how if we are faithful with small things, God will be able to entrust us with much more. But you know, many people, they run from their challenges. Whenever something difficult comes along in life, people say, I'm out of here. But it's through that perseverance that God really grows us. And those lions and bears, well, they represent the unusually difficult challenges that we embrace in our lives. Are we going to embrace those challenges or are we going to run away from them? Okay, I'm, is this working? Okay, I'm not hands-free anymore, but never mind. <laughs> so the deception is that we all think that we're worse off than the next person. And so instead of claiming God's victory and taking authority over our situations, we, it, we use them as an excuse to give up and to run. Faithfulness in our current challenge prepares us and releases us for the future challenges that God has for our lives. The next encounter we have with David was when he had his battle with Goliath. Now, Goliath was a giant. He stood seven foot tall high. And in those days, when it came to warfare, you would normally get one army on one hill and the other army on the other with a valley in between. And every now and again, they'd go down the hill and they'd have a big scrap. But no one could see the 
Philistine army because here was this man, Goliath. And he was shouting, come out and fight with me. And the Israeli army, they looked at their men and they said, look, we've got no one that can stand against this guy. He's too big. He's too powerful. And he had his own armor bearer that would go out in front of him so that if someone fired an arrow, this armor bearer would intercept it with a shield and he could get in front of spears and protect Goliath. But Goliath would get out there first thing in the morning and in the evening at the same time that the Jewish people would normally have their worship time. And so instead of them focusing on their own God and worshipping God, here's Goliath speaking blasphemy, speaking down about their God, cursing these people. And so when David came with some food for his brothers who were in the army, and he heard what this giant was saying, he was saying, this guy is coming against our God, the living God. Our God will not permit that. This giant has got to be cast down. If no one else will fight him, I will. And then he went and saw the king and said, look, I'll fight him. The king dressed him in his armor and said, look, you're way too small. You're not strong enough. The king didn't know anything about the lions and the bears that David had been scrapping with out there in the wilderness. And so eventually, David comes out to fight Goliath. And Goliath was angered that a little boy was coming out to fight him. And he said in verse 45 of chapter 17, Am I a, a dog? that you would come against me with sticks. And David replied, can't read it at the back. <laughs> I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you and take your head from you, all the, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. David wasn't going to be intimidated by this guy. He knew that the God that he was cursing was way more powerful and that God wasn't going to allow this mockery and cursing to take place. So David took on Goliath. You know, death and life is in the power of the tongue. That's what it says in Proverbs 18.21. And so our enemy seeks to intimidate us, just like Goliath did to David. And we can react in either faith or fear. We can fight or we can flee. And many people respond the way Satan wants us to respond, in agreement with Satan and in fear. The devil might tell you that you're sick and you will never recover. Or that God will never use you to serve him. So just reply, Jesus is all-powerful and he is my friend. All things are possible to those who believe. Rise up and declare the truth in God's word. Claim his promises for your life. 
You know, the enemy tries to trick us with his words. He tricked Adam and Eve into eating the apple. And even when Jesus was in the wilderness, he, tr he tried to trick Jesus by quoting scripture out of context. And that's what he tries also to do to us. And so after David declared God's truth, Goliath never spoke again. God can, can silence the chatter of the enemy by declaring powerful, faith-filled words. We can overcome the enemy. You know, before I had heart surgery seven weeks ago, my family gathered with me before I went into surgery. And we had a round of prayer, my wife and my three children. And then we had a time of worship, and one of my daughters played the victor's crown on her phone. And so the last thing that I heard before I went into surgery, apart from the goodbyes and prayers of my wife and children, were these words. You're my help and you're and my defender. You're my saviour and my friend. By your grace, I live and breathe to worship you. Every high thing must come down. Every stronghold shall be broken. You wear the victor's crown. You will overcome. And so they're wheeling me off to theatre. And I'm singing that song in my heart. And then they put me under the anaesthetic and I'm still singing that song. And when I came out of the anaesthetic, I was still singing that song. God was with me through that whole process. And I thank you again for your prayers. For you who are visitors, I, was, I had sudden septicemia, even though I was fit and healthy. Ended up in Auckland Hospital and ended up with a triple bypass on my heart. That's why I'm talking about hearts for the next couple of weeks. I've been doing a bit of thinking and praying. And so the enemy is constantly speaking to us, just like Goliath spoke to David. He wants us to agree with what he is saying. Things happen on earth that are a direct action of the enemy. Other things happen because we live in a fallen world. It's important that we have the final word like David did in spiritual warfare. We're his children and, he can, and we can know and claim the power and authority that God has given to us. And we have much more power than we realize. Jesus defeated the enemy once and forever on the cross of Calvary. We have never being given more power and authority than we have now to change the world around us. God's truth can rise up from our thoughts, from the Spirit of God inside of us, and it can be a rhema word, and when we declare that word, that accesses the power of God. You know, in our um, church in Baku, in Azerbaijan, there was a young couple and he worked at the American Embassy. And she was a trained, highly qualified teacher. She was offered a job in the, um, 
in a very prestigious international school where she would have been on a very highly paid contract with all sorts of benefits, tra travel and accommodation. But she turned it down to volunteer her services as a teacher in a school in the city for Christian missionaries' children. This guy was also the leader of our youth group with over 60 people, 60 youth in our youth group. Every Sunday morning, he was on the sound desk. Every Sunday morning, most Sunday mornings, she was in the worship team. And these guys, and also he was doing a Masters of Divinity by correspondence because he wanted to become a pastor. And I was just blown away by this couple. They were just so keen for God. And the Lord whispered into my spirit and said, they're on the fast track with me. I'm going to really use this couple because they've got a servant heart. They're prepared to do things behind the scenes that no one even knows about. And so we have to watch out for lions and bears and giants in our life. But as well as the lions and bears and wolves, the Bible talks about the little foxes that spoil the vine in Song of Solomon, chapter 2. Now, a fox will get into a vineyard and spoil the fruit. Now, in Galatians chapter 5, it says, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. Now, if God is in control of our lives, that fruit will start to manifest. But sometimes a little fox gets into our lives. And instead of manifesting the positive good stuff, we start manifesting impatience and anger and frustration because a fox has come in and is destroying and taking away our fruit. And so we have to find out where, how that fox is getting in. And we need to close the door. Be aware that is of what is happening in our lives. Who is the difficult person in your life that brings out the worst in you? Instead of having patience, we may be manifesting anger and irritation rather than spiritual fruit. That's the sign that a little fox is nibbling away at the fruit in our vineyard. When a few fruit go missing and others start to disappear, it's time for us to press into God and renew our relationship and bring back the love, the peace, and the kindness. You know, if we lose our love and joy, it's time to ask the Lord, what is the root of our problem? And you know what it usually is? It's actually self-centeredness and selfish ambition. That's what allows the fox to get in. A fox will weaken us for the other challenges that God has for us in our lives. Our lives will become un 
will become yielded to the flesh and unusable by the Lord. But the wonderful thing is that we're all a work in progress. God reveals the parts of our lives that he wants to transform and change. And so rather than feel condemned, look at it as a challenge to live more victoriously for God. We may be surprised by some of the negative stuff that comes out of our mouths at some times. It's a bit like in a spa pool, you can put in this chemical that will bring all the sort of scum and grease to the surface, and then you can skim it off. And God uses things to reveal the scum in our lives so that we're aware of it, so that we can work on it, so that we can get rid of it. He allows the foxes to expose that lack of fruit in some areas of our character. Jesus said to Peter, Satan has asked if he can sift you like wheat. But I will pray for you. But when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. Jesus knew Peter's heart better than Peter knew his heart himself. Even though he knew Peter would betray him, he could see that Peter's heart was fully committed to him. He knew that Peter's failing would ultimately strengthen Peter and then Peter would be able to strengthen others. And so the Lord allows the enemy to attack us at times so that we'll experience victory through Jesus Christ. There's never a victory without a battle. We blame the enemy for the Goliaths, the lions and the bears. The enemy desires to rob, kill and destroy. He even sometimes comes as an angel of light. And so we need discernment. We need to be able to see the, the lions and the bears and the wolves and the foxes and discern the difference between them and the sheep. But the good news is that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is alive in us. And he will give us that discernment that we need. And when the fruit of the Spirit grows in our lives, we will be more victorious and fruitful. Even the most loving person can sometimes get a little tired of the demands of the sheep. It's not about what we can get from the sheep, but what we can give to them. Without the renewing love of God... We are unable to love people. If we struggle to love our awesome, faithful God, how can we love imperfect people who disappoint us? And so as we get to know him better, God teaches us how to love others. In 1 John chapter 4, it says, God is love. We love him because he first loved us. And God will allow a supernatural love to flow into us that can then flow out of us into other people. God enables us to see those around us as objects of his supernatural love. 1 Corinthians 13 verses 2 to 3 says, Though I have the gift of prophecy and understand the mysteries of all knowledge, 
And though I have all faith so that I can move mountains, without love, I have nothing. The greatest commandment, as we all know, is to love the Lord, our God, with all our heart, with all our mind, with all our soul. And it's only when we can love God like that that we can obey the second commandment, which is to love our neighbour as ourself. When Jesus went to the cross, he didn't focus on our faults, but he endured the cross for the joy set before him. David took on the character and nature of Christ when he risked his life for his sheep. He had a heart for worship and a revelation of God's love and purpose. And our prayer is that God will also grant to us a heart of worship, revelation, and obedience to him. Let's pray. Lord, we give you our hearts afresh this morning. Take them and make us into people after your own heart. May we know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, so that we will be filled with all the goodness of God. Help us in our daily journey to produce spiritual fruit and to show your love to others. In Jesus' name, amen.